Hey, we're in a, uh, a new series that uh, you heard Pastor Mike mention called Summer in the Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 1 again. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 1. Today, Psalm 1, part Two. Last week, we were in Psalm 1, part 1. We were doing an overview of the book of Psalms. Today, we're going to dig a little deeper in Psalm 1. Before we do that, um, let me let me say thank you, and let me give you what I think is probably the most exciting announcement yet this year. Let me thank you guys for your giving, for your continued giving, both um, those in the room, those outside, those in our family-friendly environments, those who are still watching on home. We are so grateful for the way you've not only been giving, but the way you've been giving towards the building project, people who've made pledges to the building project, the money just continues to come in, people putting their faith over their fear in this season. And Wednesday, we receive from the City of Lee Summit our permit to start building our building. We will break ground before the end of June on the site work of our building. Here's why that is exciting for the rest of you who don't care yet. Um, that means by Labor Day, Hopefully by Labor Day, you will never have to do a U-turn to come to church or leave church again. Yeah. So, um, there's the Pentecostal. So that, like that is, so that's, that's happening. That's a huge deal. That is all because of your giving. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, from the bottom of our hearts for the way that you're giving and the way you're making ministry, um, continue to move. But, but, it's not just in our offering that our church is giving. You've, you've heard several times already today our summer of serving. Every week we've got a ministry partner or a ministry project. This past week our ministry partner was Rachel House. They're a crisis pregnancy center that has homes in Independence and in Lee Summit. And we collected gift bags for mothers who are coming into Rachel House saying, I want to have my baby, but I'm going to need some help. I want to have my baby, but I'm going to need some help. So we asked people last week to go shop, to get gift bags, to bring and drop those off at our church. We had 23 of those that were given to us that we sent off to Rachel House, which means this. Let's put it in context. That means if 23 moms come into Rachel House this summer that are given one of those bags that we gave out, that means six years from now, there's going to be a kindergarten, an entire kindergarten class somewhere going to school because of the way you loved and you gave. Come on, Journey. That, like that, 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 that. That is what, that's how the church is supposed to love. Those are the things the church is supposed to accomplish. So thank you for those of you who gave to that. Our ministry partner this week, as you heard, Coldwater, if you want to be a part of it, text Journey Serve to 474747. We're putting on a barbecue um, at some underserved uh, apartment complexes in our community. We've got about 25 spots for people to serve, very fr- family friendly. Um, a chance for some of you to prepare food, a chance for some of you to cook food, a chance for some of you not only to give food, but play kickball, play catch um, with some kids who might not have a mom and dad who's ever able to do that. 5 p.m. to about 7.30 or so on Tuesday. If you want to sign up for that, this is how you do that. Journey served at 47, 47, 47. Of course, every Monday this summer at uh, 1 o'clock, uh, between 1 and 2, we're handing out 3,000 pounds of fresh produce. You can do that. Um, this will allow you to sign up for that as well. But man, I'm just so massively grateful for how you give, for how you serve, for how you care. Thank you, um, thank you, thank you. Before we jump into Psalm chapter 1 today, uh, I always like to ask God to... Uh, to speak to my heart in my head before I read scripture. So would you pray with me here and at home for those of you outside and in our family friendly atmosphere? Would you take a deep breath wherever you are? And would you just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to you today? Just ask God to tell you what he wants you to hear today. God, that's our prayer. Speak to us today in our homes Lord, in our driveway outside, in our family-friendly environments, here in the auditorium, speak to us today, Lord. Show us 
how to chase the blessing that Psalms 1 says can be ours. That's our prayer. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Two goals as we jump back into Psalm chapter 1 today. One, to see the premise and the promise of Psalm chapter 1. Last week, we looked at the premise. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to or watch that message. Um, Last week, we said the premise of Psalm 1 is Psalms will take you deeper if you'll let them, but you got to decide how deep Jesus can go. Do you want to give him a spade? Do you want to give him a shovel? Do you want to give him a backhoe? Did you all see our backhoe sitting outside this morning? I did not know that was coming. One of our men in our church in construction asked our executive pastor, do you think Christian would care if I dropped off a, um, a backhoe actually called an excavator when they're that size like that? Do you think he'd care if I just dropped it by the entry? And Scott said, oh man, he'd love it. I pulled in this morning and just started laughing. I thought, I don't know who did this, but that is awesome. That's what it looks like to dig deep spiritually. The premise is Psalms will help you dig deep if you will let them, but Psalm 1 um, is an appetizer spiritually. Not very nutritious as a meal. If your theology is only based on Psalm 1, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, you're going to be deeply depressed, you're going to be very spiritually shallow, you'll probably walk away from your faith eventually. So we've got to learn a little deeper. But that doesn't mean Psalm 1 is useless. It has this incredible promise that we're going to see today, and here's the promise that we're going to chase today. We're going to chase the blessing that Psalm 1 promises. It's a blessing that was lost in the past, It's promised for us in our present. You can have it today. One day it'll be completely fulfilled for the whole world in our future. But Psalm 1 says there's a blessing to chase, and we're going to try to chase that blessing together today. How are we going to do it? We're going to look at the six verses in Psalm 1, and then we're going to look at three words, just three words in Psalm chapter 1. Let's read the, uh, the chapter together. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of the, of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked is going to lead to destruction. One of my favorite professors in seminary was named Dr. Finks. I had him for Romans. I had him for hermeneutics. I had him for homiletics. The things that teach you to study the Bible and teach the Bible. He was my professor in those things. And he used to always tell those of us who wanted to one day teach the Bible, listen, you should start as a Bible teacher from the outside and work your way in. He said, don't start by memorizing verses that you know nothing about. He said, if you want to be a Bible teacher, you have to know every book of the Bible. What are the 66 books of the Bible? And then if you want to be a good Bible teacher, you have to know the divisions of those 66 books of the Bible, like the Pentateuch and the prophets and the wisdom literature and the poetry uh, literature. You have to know that the New Testament is uh, made up of the gospels and the epistles and maybe even know which are pastoral epistles and which are prison epistles and know which, what is apocalyptic literature. You have to know the divisions of scripture. And he said, once you've known that, you should study carefully every chapter of scripture once you have an idea of what every chapter of scripture is, he said, then I would encourage you to memorize a verse. But don't memorize a verse that you can't explain the entire chapter, the entire book, where it fits in the Bible, why it's in the Bible, where it fits in the greater plan of God. But he said, after you've memorized a verse, take every word of that verse and study it until you can't study it anymore. He said, if you will study and teach the Bible like that, you will never run out of information to learn or to teach every word of the Bible. 
There's lots of different ways to do a word study. That's what we're going to try to do today. One of the ways to do biblical word studies, you know, the Bible wasn't written in English. The Old Testament was written almost completely in Hebrew. There's a small section that was written in Aramaic in the book of Daniel. The New Testament was written completely in Greek. One of the ways to do a word study is to find an English word in the Bible and to go find what Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek word that was and then find any place that word is mentioned in all of history and to come up with the exact definition of the word. That's one way to do a word study. Another way to do a word study, some of you could do today, is a topical word study. You take a word like trust, you flip to the back of your study Bible, you find trust, and you find 30 verses in the Bible that have trust in it. And you can study all those verses and learn what the Bible has to say about trust. A third way is to do a directive or what's called a grammatical word study, which means anytime you see the Bible say do... You stop because it's giving you a direction and everything that comes after it allows you to make a list. Or when the Bible says don't, you stop and everything that comes after it is a list of things you are not supposed to do. We're going to kind of combine a lot of those today. We're going to look at three words that I think help us chase an incredible blessing that God wants us to have as we connect to him. The first word we're going to look at today is the word blessed. Everyone say blessed. blessed. Those of you outside say blessed. Turn to someone and say blessed. Those of you at home Look at your dog who I know is watching church with you. You have to find your cat. They don't watch church, but dogs watch church. Look at your dog and give your dog a little fist bump and say, blessed. Say it one more time, blessed. 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 It's a great word. The entire book of Psalms begins with the word blessed. Very intentionally. It's an intention-grabbing word. About a thousand years or so after the Psalms were written, a teacher would show up in Israel His name would be Jesus, and as he began his public teaching ministry with a sermon we know as the Sermon on the Mount, he started with the exact same word, remember? Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those, and on and on and on. Ten, what what, what we call nine Beatitudes. In the fall, we'll spend ten weeks looking at the nine Beatitudes that Jesus gave. You say, why would Psalms begin with blessed? Why would Jesus begin his ministry with blessed? Why would Genesis chapter 1 begin with blessed? Because it's always where God begins. And what's interesting specifically for the group in Psalms, specifically for Jesus' group in Matthew chapter 5, the word blessed by using this word would get the attention of the Jewish people they were teaching because those people were chasing a blessing that was lost in the past, promised in the present, and would be fulfilled in their future. Say, so Christian, what do, you, what do you mean by that? If you just look at the word blessed and you say, where's the very first place in the Bible where we see the word blessed? It's in Genesis chapter 1. Oddly enough, and I find this oddly enough, I want to spend a little more time studying it now. The first thing in the Bible that was blessed were birds and things in the ocean. It's the first thing that God blessed, birds and things in the ocean. The second thing he blessed was his special creation, humanity. On the afternoon of day six, God had created everything in the heavens and earth, but something that was like him. And we read this in Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind. The Hebrew word for mankind right there is Adam. If you were to say it in English, it would look like Adam. It wasn't a proper name. The Hebrew word A-D-A-M means humanity. So God created Adam, mankind, humanity, in his image, In the image of God, he created them. Then he gave them gender and he gave them sexuality. Male and female, he created them. And what did he do? 
Can't hear you. Trivia question. What is the very first thing that God did for humanity? He blessed them. He blessed them. So when the Jewish people read in Psalm 1, blessed, when the Jewish people in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount heard blessed, they thought, wait a minute, we, we know where that comes from. The very first thing God desired to do with humanity is bless them. Bless them with what? If we were to keep reading, bless them with family, the ability to have family. Bless them with purpose, the ability to, to have a reason they existed to serve each other and to serve God. To bless them with provision and, and earth, a world that would serve them and take care of their needs. Most of all, bless them with an intimacy to be connected to God in, in the flesh, person to person. Blessed. They were the only part of creation that had a little bit of the imago Dei. It's a Latin phrase meaning image of God. They were the only ones who had a little bit of God inside them, which means they had the character of God inside them. They had eternal life built into them. The last thing they were blessed with, don't know that I'd call it a blessing in hindsight, was free will. Here's everything I've given you. You can choose to accept the blessing or do life your own way. And for those of us who know the story... Adam and Eve looked at all the things that God had blessed them with. And they said, we see the blessing, but we choose control of our own life. We choose making our own decisions, doing it our own way. That's the way we want to do it. And in Genesis 2 and 3, we read of a separation that begins to occur between God and the people he created. Ultimately, we get to Genesis chapter 3. God and Adam are having a conversation on the backside of sin, on the backside of a poor choice, on the backside of rebellion. And it says, to Adam, God said, because you listened to your wife. Now, I never use this at weddings. As a pastor, when I do weddings, I don't use this in marriage counseling. Normally, weddings and marriage counseling go better if you just say, just listen to your wife. It it seems to go better that way. Not this time. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, You must not eat from it. What's the word? Cursed. Say cursed. Cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you. Man, Adam and Eve, humanity went from blessed to curse in about a chapter of scripture. They went from blessed to cursed in a moment of time when they said, we really want to live life our way instead of God's way. And the curse was awful. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, which means hard work, you're going to eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce. the bless- In the blessing, it provided everything they needed. In the curse, it will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the food. I think this is the worst part of the curse. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Which meant God said, even when you are sitting down and having dinner, you're going to feel pressure to produce. Even when you're sitting down, this cursed world is going to mean that there's something else to do. Something else that needs to be done. Even when you're trying to enjoy rest, you're going to feel pressure. And then eventually you're going to return to the ground since from it you were taken for dust you are and to dust you will return. They were not dust. They were dust that had been filled with the eternal spirit of God when he breathed his life into them. And when they chose their way rather than God's way, they breathed that life right back out to God. And God said, now you're nothing but dust again. You were a spiritual life and now you're spiritually dead, blessed to cursed, just like that. See, when the Israelites heard in Psalm 1, blessed, they perked up and they thought, wait a minute, we know what that is. 
And we've, and we've been trying to get there. That was, that was Adam in Genesis 1.28. Blessed is what Adam was in his spiritual condition. But then he lost that. Are you saying that that's possible again? Psalm 1 is saying it is possible again. Why? Because of what God did in Genesis chapter 3 when God is talking to Satan, uh, the evil one that came in and, and pitted God against humanity. He's talking to Adam's wife, Eve. He's talking to Adam. Um, God says to Satan in Genesis 3.15, and in theology, this verse is called the Proto-Evangelium, or the first gospel. It's the first time in Scripture God said evil will be defeated. First time in Scripture God said evil will be defeated. God said to Satan, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God said, at the end, I will overturn this. My good, my power will win, but there will continually be a battle. In the end, we win. But life now, spiritual life, will always be a battle. But there is coming someone who will be born of a woman who, if you cling to him, the connection can be yours again. The blessing can be reinstated. The curse can be left behind. And as we look at Genesis chapter 3.15, we focus our eyes on Jesus and we say, If that's true, if that promise is true, if blessing was lost, but now it can be attained again, I want it. The Jewish people would have often said, I want to be like Adam in Genesis 1.28. Before sin entered the world, that's how I want to be. Now, there were not very many positive parts of quarantining for 12 weeks for me. Um, One of them, though, was a documentary that came out early called The Last Dance, 10-part documentary about Michael Jordan, the the team of my youth, my middle school, high school, and college days, watching Mike play basketball, the 1998 Chicago Bulls team, the kind of the last ride for their championship team. You watch this, and you realize, again, Michael Jordan is one of the greatest basketball players who's ever played, but you probably would not want him as a friend. Like, maybe as your point guard, but he's probably not going to be buddies with you because the the intensity in him just drove him like crazy. But they talked about how he developed this global status of being an icon. And one of the key things that helped that happen was a Gatorade commercial that had this catchy little jingle of a little kid watching Michael Jordan play basketball and drink Gatorade. And little kid saying, sometimes I dream that he is me. You got to see that's how I dream to be. So, you know, I dream I move. I dream I groove. You finish it like like Mike, you were the only service that's got it right. Like, I, like I, don't, I don't know how many people didn't watch Gatorade commercials in the 90s, but apparently you're the only one. I hope at home you got it. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike. I want to be, I want to be like, like Mike. Like, like there was a generation of basketball players that wanted to be like Mike. And in Psalm 1, there was a generation of Jews who said, I want to be like Adam in Genesis 1.28. I want to carry the blessing of intimacy with God and an an eternal existence with God and the Imago Dei, the spiritual, uh, the, the spiritual nature of God in me. I want all that. So when the psalmist said, blessed, everyone listened up and said, hang on, I know what that is. We used to have it. We lost it. We were promised that we could have it again. How do we get that? Blessed, blessed, blessed. How do we get it? Psalm 1 continues telling us. And the next word I want to look at is the word not. Key word number two is not. It's interesting, before Psalm 1 tells us how to be blessed, it tells us how not to be blessed. Really interesting here. Before Psalm 1 says this is how you're blessed, it says this is, this is how not to achieve the blessing of connecting with God that you're pursuing. Psalm 1, 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. 
or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Blessed, everyone would have said, yep, that's what I want. How do I get it? And the psalmist said, well, here's, here's how you don't get it. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. What the psalmist is telling us is chasing the blessing mandates, being willing to separate from the broken. So I hear the word blessed. I, I see every now and then people I think are blessed. I want that blessing in my life. The psalmist says, that's great, but you're going to have to give something up. You're going to have to give up something. Chasing the blessing mandates that you separate from the broken. Are you willing to do that? It says you can't walk in step anymore with the wicked. The way you live. Literally, the way you live your life day after day. That has to change if you're going to chase the blessing. You cannot stand in the way of sinners. That doesn't mean you get in their way so they can't sin. That means where they take your stand, you can't take your stand anymore. That means the way that they live their life, your direction, your purpose used to look one way. Now it's a different way. You don't live that way anymore. You don't sit in the company of mockers. It means you don't even sit and expose yourself to people who don't love God and talk about God like you, you, like you do. You don't entertain the culture and world of sin and brokenness that you used to. Life changes. You say, I want to chase the blessing. That's great, but you're going to have to leave the broken, chasing the blessing mandates that you're willing to separate from the broken. And sadly, you know it and I know it because I don't know if you've done it, but I have and I know people who have. We live in a world of Christianity in 2020 that wants to invite Jesus to live in our brokenness instead of accepting his invitation to leave our brokenness. Because broken with Jesus is better than broken without Jesus. But leaving brokenness altogether, some of us never even get to that point of thinking. You mean Jesus actually wants me to follow him somewhere? Yeah, that's what he said. The apostle Peter actually says it this way. In 1 Peter 2.9, he said, You are a chosen people talking to followers of Jesus. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out. Say those three words, called you out. You don't invite him in. He calls you out. That's how Christianity works. You don't invite him in. He calls you out of your brokenness, out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Why? Because being a part of God's family is different. He's a spiritual king. And when you get called into his family, you get to be a part of a royal priesthood. Man, a lot of us hear the call of Christianity and we want that crown of intimacy with God. We want that crown of eternal life with God. We want that crown of spiritual DNA kind of beating in our heart. We want that crown of being close to God on a daily basis. But when we realize the crown comes with a cross, we're not so sure anymore. We want to know, can I have the crown of royal life with Jesus without the cross as a follower of Jesus, is it possible? The answer is no. It's not, it's, you don't get to choose one or the other. It's both or neither. A follower of Jesus gets a crown and a cross or neither. You get all the good spiritually and the cross of what it means to sacrifice and live your life for Jesus or, or you get neither. You can't have the crown without the cross. Y'all even remember what we talked about before coronavirus on March 11th. Like, can you even remember January and February of 2020? Hey, what was the world talking about? Oh, yeah, I remember what they were talking about. They were talking about Mexit. Um, they were talking about this royal couple, if you go back and look at the news feeds, Prince Harry of England, 
uh, Meghan Markle, an American actress who had gotten married last year, who were a part of the royal family, and they decided they, they didn't want to be a part of the royal family. Meghan's exit makes it. Y'all heard about this, right? Like, I'm not the only one who heard about this. The story was interesting because she came from America to be a part of the British royal family, gave up a lot of things to be a part of the royal family, to eat the crown placed on her head. But once she realized what it really meant to be a part of the royal family, yeah, I don't think I want that anymore. So they said, we're out. We're, we're leaving all the responsibilities, all the commitments of the royal family. We're going to Canada. We're going to end up in L.A. But the thing that really upset them when they really walked right through it, they left the royalty, but when they could not use their titles anymore, his royal highness, her royal highness, there was a big upheaval. What do you mean they're not allowed to call us that anymore? We have to lose our title too? And I thought about them, and I thought about Christianity, and I thought about how many Christians step into Christianity for the crown, for the royalty, for the intimacy, for the eternal life, for the touch of God on their life. But then when they realize it comes with a cross too, they say, oh, I, I want the crown, but not the cross. And, and when they hear someone say, I, you got to have both, they say, well, I'm not sure I want to do that. However, could I still call myself a Christian? Could I keep the title? Could I keep the title? I'm not willing to accept the cross, but could, like, I just like, I still call myself a Christian, right? Not according to Psalm 1. Not according to Psalm 1. It's a crown. It's a cross. It's a calling out to follow Jesus. And you say, man, Christian, I want to come out. I hope you do because what Psalm 1 is teaching us is the blessing of living connected to God does not, does not happen in your old life of sin. See, I want to chase the blessing. I want you to chase the blessing. I just want you to know it does not live where you used to live before Jesus. If we were to create a beatitude out of Psalm chapter 1, it might be this. Blessed are people who don't stay where they used to be. Blessed are people who don't stay where they used to be. You say, I want to get out of my old life. How do I do that? You got to get in. You say, I want to get out. You got to get in. What do we got to get in? Look at keyword number three. Is in. The blessing is in. The blessing is not... And the things we just talked about. The blessing's not in your old life. You've got to leave it. But the blessing is in something. The blessing now, between now and eternity, is actually found someplace. It's found in those whose delight... If you have your Bible, circle that word delight. It's a, I'm going to give you a great word picture of the word delight in a minute. It's found in those whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. You say, I want to chase the blessing that Adam had but then lost, but God has offered to me. How do I get that? You meditate on the law day and night and you make it your delight. As we talk about chasing the blessing of being connected to God, you have to continually get deeper in two areas. Spade, shovel, or backhoe. You say, I want to be more intimately connected with God. I want Adam in Genesis 1.28. Everything that God has to offer me. Me too. You say, how do I get that? You got to continually grow deeper in two areas. The first one is your love and enjoyment of the scriptures. And this, by the way, hear me very, very clearly, does not mean read your Bible. This is so far beyond read your Bible. This is people who love and enjoy God's word. Let me give you the picture of delight. How many of you are dog owners? Any dog owners in the house? All right, here's the picture of delight. You come home after a long day of work. Your entire family's at home, but the dog is the only one who meets you. Like when you open the door, the dog's already there, right? He's wagging his tail. He's smiling at you. He's wagging his tongue. If he's a little dog like mine, he wants, to, he wants you to pick him up so that he can say hi to you. Maybe he's jumping up on your chest. If you've got a big dog trying to give you a kiss and say hello, um, if you can picture that in that story, 
The dog is the picture of this word delight. The dog. The dog is delighting. How many of you, when you open God's word, begin to wag your tail? Because you're says like, oh my God, God, I get to like, I am so excited to read my Bible today. How many of you delight in God's word? Those of you online, you just missed all that because like we, we stay below the podium. Got to come to church and you see me wag my tail like a dog. How many of you? Right? See the video. How many of you can't wait to jump up on God's word? Snuggle up with God's word. You love and delight in it. It's like, oh, I love this. I enjoy this. What I'm reading is so good for my soul. I'm not talking about, I got to set my alarm so I can read my Bible. I'm not talking about, hey, I got to go. I haven't read my Bible yet. I'm not talking about reading your Bible. That's not the promise of Psalm 1. It's those who delight, who literally wag their tail to be reading Scripture. You say, I want the blessing of God. You're going to have to open your heart to the Word of God. And then more than that, you're going to have to grow, number two, in how the Scriptures relate to everything in your life. Number one relates to the word delight. Number two relates to the word meditate. It's a picture of constantly thinking about and rolling around what you're learning until you can figure out how it touches on the events of your day. You say, I want to chase the blessing. I want to be connected to God. You're going to have to figure out how every scenario of your life is touched by Scripture, led by Scripture, connected to Scripture. And when you do that, you will find all of your life connected to Jesus because Jesus is the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us. He is our connection to God through Scripture. You say, man, I want to chase the blessing. You got to learn to love and enjoy Scripture. Not just read it to check a box. You got to learn to love and enjoy it and think about it so much that Every day of your life, everything in your life can be pointed back to some scripture that applies. You do that. You do that. You'll begin to feel the blessed life that Psalm 1 talks about. I've got a challenge for those of you who maybe aren't on a Bible reading plan right now, or maybe those of you who are, but you want to take a step back. I want to challenge you this week. Psalm 119, one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture, is an entire psalm about how to delight in scripture. I want to challenge you every day this week to read this Psalm 119. Read the same chapter every day. Now, some of you are thinking, that's easy. Just, I mean, secret. Psalm 119 has 176 verses. So I, 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 it'll take a little bit of time. But every, every verse in Psalm 119 has part A, part B, part A, part B, part A, part B. Part A says this is what's going on in life. Part B says this is how the scripture helps it. It's awesome. 176 times. This is what's going on in life. This is how scripture helps it. It's awesome. How to delight in God's word. You say, I want to chase the blessing that God has given me. Man, learn to love and enjoy the scriptures. And learn how scriptures relate to everything in your life. If you will do this, I promise you, you'll feel the blessing of Psalm chapter 1. This message could be over right now. And it's close. But the psalmist has already told us what to do to experience blessing. You got to get out of your old life of sin. You got to get into God's word. Got to get out of your old life of sin. You got to get into God's word. But then he takes it a step further. And the psalmist says, instead of me just telling you what to do, let me give you a picture of where you'll end up if you do it. Or if you don't. Actually, in verses 3 through 6, gives us two pictures. The psalmist says, let me show you, let me show you the end of your life. Let me show you the end of your life. Kind of like a Christmas carol with Ebenezer Scrooge. Let me show you the end of your life so you can make decisions based on that. And verses 3 through 6 says, if you chase the blessing... Your life will look this way. And if you don't, your life will look this way. And what the psalmist is doing is he's trying to show us the final condition of our life because he knows that'll help us make the first commitment of our life spiritually. 
You say, hey, maybe you're not motivated today to press into Jesus for today. But let me show you what the end of your life can look like. Because I think the final condition might cause you to make the first commitment. And in verses 3 through 6, we see two people. We see those who chase the blessing and those who live for themselves. The psalm said, let me tell you why you should chase the blessing. Because if you do, you're going to end your life planted. You're going to end your life fruitful. You are going to be someone who endures not just to the end of your life, but into eternal life. And if you don't, if you choose not to chase the blessing, you're going to be someone who's empty. And no matter what you try to do to fill yourself of your, of your own volition, like Ken just saying about it, everything will leave you empty but Jesus. You'll constantly feel empty. You'll constantly feel scattered, jumping from one thing to the next, trying to find fulfillment and and meaning. And maybe the, the scariest thing is you will end your life removed eternally from the presence of God. You'll start removed, you'll be removed, you'll end removed with no chance to come back. Seeing the final condition of your life, the psalmist says, choose blessing, choose blessing, choose blessing. Now, two kind of secret truths built into Psalm 1. The first is this, every one of us in this room, everyone watching outside, everyone in the family room, everyone sitting at home right now, all of us were born into condition B. The date on your birth certificate, you're here. Because of Adam's sin, we're born empty. We have a hole in our heart that needs to savior the world. If we stay empty, we end up scattered. Try to find love and meaning and fulfillment and everything. But it continually leaves us empty and we are today, if you're still living in condition B, you're removed from the presence that God wants to have in your life. That's one of the secrets of Psalm 1 is we all start there. Here's the better secret of Psalm 1. We can all choose to go here. It's your choice. You can choose that in a world where it seems like everything is being uprooted and turned around, you can stay planted. You can choose that in a world where it seems like even the very best people can't make any headway in making anything better, you, you can be fruitful. You can make a difference. We live in a world where it seems like no one can finish what was started. Your faith can be enduring into eternal life. The psalmist says you should chase the blessing. Here's how. But if you need a little more motivation, you're going to end up one of these two ways. So which one are you going to choose? Say blessed. Say cursed. You got to choose. You got to choose. Which life you're going to live, where you're going to end up. Some of you, you are followers of Jesus who have chosen. You're wearing the crown. You've not picked up the cross. It's time. It's time. Because the blessing is in the life of the cross. It's time. Some of you, your entire life have been empty, scattered, and removed from God. Today, you can begin your journey forward by releasing control of your life and saying, all right, God, let's do it your way. That's our opportunity today from Psalm 1. Would you pray with me as we consider those things? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed here and in whatever environment you might be in today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, today is the day to open your heart and your life to him by turning from controlling everything yourself by asking forgiveness for your past, by trusting Jesus to take control over your life and connect you to God, the blessed life. 
if that's you, if you're here, if you're watching right now, anywhere in the world, and you say, Christian, I'm empty. No matter what I try to do, I feel scattered. I don't feel like I'm close to God. You can be today. All you've got to do is surrender your life to Jesus' call to come out of the darkness into his light. If you need to do that today, just pray these words from your heart to heaven. You don't need my prayer. It's your change of heart more than anything. But just pray this. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just from your heart to heaven, whisper these words in your soul to the God of heaven. Jesus, I need you. I don't want to be empty anymore. I don't want to be scattered anymore. I don't want to be removed from your presence. I need you. Forgive my sin and my brokenness. Heal me and my hurts. Make me brand new. Today I surrender my future to your spirit. Come into my life and lead me. I will commit to following you if you teach me how. If you just prayed that prayer with me here or anywhere where you might be watching in just a second, we're going to give you an opportunity to let us know so that we can celebrate with you, pray for you, answer any questions you might have. But before we wrap up, heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed. Let me talk to the Christians. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, hearts are open. Hey, Christians, have you accepted the crown without carrying the cross? Accepted all the good without the burden, responsibility of Christianity? Hey, Christians, have you left your life of sin to step into a life of blessing or have you just invited Jesus into your world and not followed him into his? Today is the time to take your next step. It's time to take your next step. You need to ask Jesus to forgive you for remaining in your old life. You need to ask him to give you courage to step into a new life and strength to stay there. Hey, Christians, do you delight in the scriptures? You wag your tail when you open the Bible because you're so excited to meet with your God. You think about everything you learn and read and how you can apply it to everything in life because it seasons life and sheds light on it. Did you make a commitment this week to begin to do that? Jesus, we want to be blessed just like Psalm 1 says. So help us leave our sin. Help us take up our cross. Help us to learn and then live out your word so that we might be planted and fruitful and enduring. That's our prayer. And God, we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen.